0: the podcast outcast catholic i'm father travis
1: Crowdy, and i'm father shane demon
0: and we're pleased as ever to join you for some discussions about stuff from sioux city some stuff
1: few things mix Out- and match
0: some stuff yeah yeah that's right
1: father it's always good to be with you again likewise let's know thank you
0: well i was just hitting up the uh the basketball games for my for my school they're doing well they good? girls winning boys only lost one so far good for them 13 and one I think so uh the last game I went to was pretty fun so sometimes they have these um themes for the student
1: section oh sure dress up uh, yeah Absolutely. do you guys ever heal and ever have them? oh yeah they're
0: all over I don't think I don't f- take you as the type of chaplain who would f- join in those Mm. dress up nights
1: hasn't, hasn't happened for a while i think yeah.
0: once in the football <laughs> season i threw on i still just don't have anything i kind of gave up that life in college seminary you don't
1: have your hawaii luau like no. appeal i do have we one. don't need to see you on coconut bros okay one, no
0: <laughs> so now that that image is there for everybody yes, take it in uh, I use your we, imagination you don't know what we look like but um anyways uh, I do. I do have one like quasi Hawaiian shirt that I wore over my clerics to a football game once. Mm. Okay, that was that was it. That was fine. Mm-hmm. But I always show up and they're like, "Father, were you not wearing your insert theme of the night?" You know, right? The other day it was like grout fit. You know, gray outfit. Have you heard of that before? No. Well, you just have a monochromatic gray, mostly sweatpants, right? So it's sure. like gray, just kind of gross. It's grout fit. Okay. Right. So that father, why don't you have a grout fit? I'm like, because I don't wear that. I wear black. I Don't have the 1980s. You know sure clerics on with the, the gray shirt or something <laughs> that permit deacon clerics and sometimes sure. uh and that also like, you guys never tell me these themes until like the day of they're like, always
1: posted on social media exactly
0: they... right and they said father you got to get on the gram you got to get on the socials i'm like i'm not right. doing it i'm not i'm not getting on the gram just for these dumb themes so they told me that the theme for the other day a couple weeks ago was um american flag mm. i was okay all right patriotic and i and I, I didn't think i was going to make it to the game so i just kind of gave it up then they said uh the theme we changed it in the same day you know as high schoolers do mm-hmm. the theme is now dress up formal mm. and i thought like that is one thing i can do quite well sure. in fact grab a suit so i, I showed <laughs> up to this game with cufflinks Ooh. and then people probably have never seen priests wear these they I, I got it for free from a guy but there are like Vest that you can wear, like a real clerical vest oh, that sure. like creates the black and white combo over Absolutely. the, cl- you know, mm-hmm. so like a delay, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. is that the Italian for it, or it's probably the French? Actually, oh, nice one of those clerical vest, right? Yeah, so I basically show up wearing like a three-piece cufflink suit, right? Uh-huh. And uh the students have no idea how to handle it because I forgot that, like high school kids saying they're dressing up when it's not actually like a dance or something basically means putting on nice jeans. Like, most of these sure. kids look more formal when they're just wearing Catholic school dress code. Right. And they did that night, right? right? So I rolled up and they're like, what the heck, Father? And one <laughs> girl goes, where'd you get that stuff? I said, what do you mean where'd I get it? Like, I'm a classy guy. I have this in my closet, you know? And then the ref said, he comes up to me, he's like, uh, a little overdressed for the occasion, aren't you, Father? I said,
1: I, I came from the funeral home. Yeah, no, I
0: said, I said the theme is, Dress up. And he just he gives one look at the suit section. He goes, well, thanks for setting a good example. <laughs> so it was great. And yeah. then the only other person wearing a suit was Felix, our foreign exchange student. Mm. who walks in looking very sharp. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, I'm like, my guy, mm-hmm. you know, repping the suit. Nobody mm-hmm. else stepping up to the plate.
1: Well, I'm glad you could step up. I have two Way so to go. There's you. small victories in life well, aren't there.
0: There it is. And you know, when you put a suit on, with cufflinks especially, you feel... You feel victorious. You know?
1: I'm sure the athletes out on the court just stepped up their game because they knew that you had come I don't dressed. want to
0: say that they won because I was there with such a high level of class. Listen, our football, our basketball coach in high school – I didn't play the coach of basketball in high school. You were the hype
1: man, though. I was the hype man. I would often yeah. say dress sharp, play sharp. Just saying. Yeah, you dress for success, right? Yeah, you
0: dress for success, right.
1: You know, when there's um, theme nights for athletic games here in Sioux City – I don't know if it's at the Goodwill or where it is, but oh. a bunch of Healing students must have just donated all their formal uniform, former oh, nice. uniforms. So
0: those are ready to go.
1: Well, and there's a lot of public school kids who I think just must find these at Goodwill or the bargain center. Or I don't know where because they oh. will come dressed in our school uniform right? in their you know opposing team student and, like, section. Make fun of the healing Oh, that's oh yeah. Hilarious. They do this forever. In fact, I was at a I was at a volleyball game this fall um, when there was kind of a limited student section sure. just due to COVID, and. Uh, One of the dads came up to me and said, why are all the kids in, didn't they go home and change and they have time? I was like, that's not our, that's not our student group. That's the opposing team mocking us in our student uniforms. Our kids are down here. (laughs) Wearing public school clothes. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that does happen a lot here in Sioux City. I'm not sure why. Oh, that's great. Um, But There it is. There it is. Themes at
0: the basketball games. Yeah, I can I can get on board with the formal attire. I don't know if I'm getting on board with. Sounds it, like it. You came prepared. Place. I did. Yes, right? that's great. So here's the deal. Yes, tell I've been me. Thinking, I've been thinking a lot, and mm-hmm. we we've we spoken some other episodes about social media and stuff. You know. Yes. Everybody basically just lives. I mean, that is the IV plugged into the world right now, especially the the young folks, the mm-hmm. my peers. You know, um, your peers too, slightly slightly older, maybe a couple of years. only two (laughs) very small age difference between us yeah you know it's like social media so it's this idea that like i'm more connected the more i use social media i'm I'm more connected to more people i'm in the loop i know what's going on
1: hardly yeah exactly right
0: (laughs) and we've got this theme outcast catholic and i've just been thinking like what makes us even more outcast is when we just are by ourselves spending all our time on this on social medias right like yeah, maybe we're like shooting Snapchats to people, like keeping up with people. But I just have found in my own life and other people's lives, you can feel more outcast and more isolated the more time you spend on social media where you're supposed to be connected with people, mm-hmm. right? And you just feel more disconnected because I'm sitting here while clearly other people are living life better as they're showing on the gram or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's Instagram if you didn't know. I did know that. The Thank gram, you. Right? Yeah. Um yeah, and just just this kind of paradox that what ought to be connecting us is making us feel more outcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been going through my mind. And then the other day, I was hanging out with some friends um, who shared uh, one is Scottish, in fact, and she was sharing some. Oh, I forget that the poet who wrote "Old Lang Syne." Do mm. you know this guy? So I he's don't. like he's like this Scottish icon, right? So she was sharing some of these beautiful, singing these poems for us. So I shared uh, a couple poems from Father Gerard Manley Hopkins, who is a Jesuit who wrote poetry in the ooh, should have looked it up before late eighteen hundreds. I think. Yes. Yep. N-
1: student of Newman. Oh, very good. Yes. Yeah, a little connection there. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, and I Part just, I just remembered, like, oh man, I love reading good poetry, and I don't do it all the time, and it's been really beautiful when I have. Here's my thought that I just want to chat about. Good literature does the opposite of what just sitting on social media does all the time. Mm -hmm. So while social media poses as this kind of hyper connection that we can have with people, literature, good literature, that is really trying to reveal man's search for meaning helps you dive deeper into the kind of perennial questions of being human. It helps you become more human. And it helps you become
1: more connected. And less outcast with every age of humanity that's come before us. Exactly right. Yeah. So
0: my first kind of literature professor in college seminary who really helped me not only love literature but really gave me the taste for learning philosophy. Just kind of was too much for me at first. I mean, I, I was there's like two types of guys in college seminary. It's like the guys who might have studied philosophy on their own volition without seminary and then the guys who study because they're in a seminary formation program
1: and they're forced to, and they're
0: forced to, (laughs) Yeah, it it was just hard for me to get in the, like the mindset of reading and understanding philosophy. And yeah, just kind of jumping into that from my experience of education. But my first literature class, brother Jude said literature is the narrative account of man's search for meaning or of the human search for meaning. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful because then you can insert whatever kind of fine art. And that is the, you know, the, Uh, pigmented you know expression of man's search for meaning with like painting Mm -hmm. or sculpture Mm -hmm. or dance or whatever it is like it's it's expressing and trying to dive deeper and to contemplate these perennial questions that all humans have had forever Mm -hmm. um and different times and places people can tap into like the truth goodness and beauty that's present there it's really powerful ways Mm -hmm. um so i've just realized i need more connection to good literature in my life and return to that and just want to encourage everybody to maybe pick something up if they've never done that. Because I think it's probably most of my peers' experiences that you're asked to read like these handful of books in high school, which use just spark note, you know, to get the, to get the test taken. And mm-hmm. then that's kind of it. And mm-hmm. I don't know, not a lot of people have been exposed to a lot of the good kind of classical literature of the English language, um, that we have.
1: Oh yeah. That's what we're trying to do with, with good, um education is to give a very classic mindset Mm -hmm. to know the classics Um, as you know in part of my graduate studies well really all of my graduate studies I really focused on Newman and Chesterton Mm -hmm. Um, but I look at a figure like Newman you could also look at Churchill for example Um, you know Newman Churchill these men would have taken high school exams in Greek poetry Latin poetry They would have been quoting ancient philosophers. Sure, they would have known classic literary, you know, figures and text of the Renaissance, and and some of this they had to do with essay format from memory as a Mm. teenager, and that would have been kind of their classical, you know, education experience. Much of which we're losing today in a very highly technocratic world. Um, Anyways. this, this beautiful quest for literature, I think, is something that we have to keep recovering more and more, so I'm so glad you're encouraging yeah. our listen, listeners to go towards that. Um, I just finished, just recently, Evelyn Waugh's Sword of Honor. Mm. Uh, the the three-part, you know, it's a, it's a mammoth text, um, but it's this satire in World War II, uh, kind of ridiculous character development that was funny and engaging, mm. and it stretches your vocabulary and it lets you think about the you, the human condition from different perspectives. You can laugh with some of these characters, you can empathize with some of them and their struggles. Mm-hmm. It just it connects you on such a deep way, rather than looking at Snapchat and saying, Oh yeah, that was an amazing burger you just ate. Right. That's not connection. You yeah, know? I remember
0: my brother uh, he, he had a good point, I think, with his roommate, like who was just sitting there scrolling on, like insert the name of some, you know, social media. And he, he said, Stop. What was the like three things ago that you just saw, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Uh, what?" He's like, "No, no, tell me." He's like, three, three little boxes ago that you just looked at. What was that?" I don't know. He's like, "Why are you doing that?" You know, and he right. you know he's kind of calling him out on it. But yeah, uh, there's, there's, um, you, you have to give your, you like enter into literature with your mind in such a way that it resonates. Um, after you've you've kind of received that, mm-hmm. and then it kind of continues on. All right. As you experience more. But yeah, I thought I'd just share two of my favorite kind of interesting Catholic, uh, literary figures. Please do um, tell. Yeah. I, it'd be kind of fun. Listeners uh, are
1: waiting with bated breath. Yeah.
0: There are all sorts of things you can read, but I think sometimes it's like, okay, there's so many pieces of literature to read. What do you start with? You know, I think those classics that you were probably introduced to in school are always like a good place to start. And sometimes there's even just like lists on Google, like must read mm-hmm. you know, classics or whatever. But, um, It's funny because these are kind of like cliche authors in seminaries because everybody kind of gets into them. But um, first a novelist and a short story writer and then a poet. So, well, I'll do backwards because I already mentioned the poet. So Gerard Manning Hopkins, he is a Jesuit priest in England, and most of his poetry was actually published after his death. He, like, wrote for a bit. Mm -hmm. Then his superior told him to stop writing for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And then most of it was then published after he had already died. Um, and the cool thing is, as if you like study poetry, you learn the different forms of poetry. A lot of people think poetry is just rhyming. That's one way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, he like kind of, he kind of pushed the boundaries though, of even like the forms of poetry that were available of his own time. Mm-hmm. So that's, I don't know, I kind of like it for that reason, but he do- does a lot of interesting like word play within lines of poems and a lot of uh, fun, like alliteration of consonant sounds and using words of the English language, which is kind of fun. Um, but what I love about it so much, two poems that are my favorite ones that he has that are around quite a bit, um, both speak about God's revelation. Um, one is called Pied Beauty, and one is called God's Grandeur. Mm-hmm. And what I love about both of them is he he's a priest, so he's obviously a Catholic Christian, but he looks at the world with an incarnational lens that helps you dive deeper into the mystery of the world as God constantly revealing himself through human relations, through um, um, through the environment around us, through nature and things like that. Um, so those are two poems from him that would be great. You can look them up online. God's Grandeur and Pied Beauty. Um, pied Beauty is great because it's glory be to God for dappled things, for skies of coupled color like a brinded cow. And it just goes through all these like weird unique things that you can see in in like like spotted salmon swimming and things like that like these Mm -hmm. weird delightful things in the world and then he 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 finishes it with um and uh, you know he he fathers force forth whose glorious past change praise him like it's god's glory that's being revealed in all these little unique things that give us delight Mm -hmm. um and then God's grandeur that expri- explains God's glory in everything in creation, kind of oozing out and gushing forth. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, um, and it's helpful because poetry, the way it uses our own common language, but it utilizes as a tool to communicate something deeper. It's always, um, yeah, it just kind of it helps you go deeper when we're usually just used to kind of cheap language
1: or cheap yeah, very social much media. So. You know, yeah, yeah. Social media is not expanding anyone's vocabulary. Right. It is not helping you grow in affective maturity to learn, like, new emotions and new ways to describe your interior life that is not helping at all.
0: And people are usually initially turned off to poetry because of, they say that so often, well, I don't know what that means. I can't understand it. Yeah, that's the point. Like, you have to read it a few times because the the poet is intentionally using language. And you get caught up in it sometimes because if you start reading translated language, that's a little weird. You're mm-hmm. reading poems written in a different language that's in English. But reading English poets is always kind of, it's different. And they're writing at a different time with a different vocabulary. Mm-hmm. He's number one, Gerard Manley Hopkins. Any thoughts? Oh, he's great. Hopkins. He's, he's great. great.
1: Father Shane Demon says he's great. Yeah, One of my favorite, my favorite class uh, ever in college was British Catholic authors. Mm. And so we read Newman, Hopkins, Tolkien, mm. Chesterton, Belloc, Alice Meynell, I, mean, I could go on and on and yeah. on because these are some wonderful figures who should be friends uh, with contemporary believers. Right. You know, these are people that you need in your life more than Hollywood celebrities.
0: And I, I guess that what's so attractive about it in this different lens that they look through, we can so get so dull in our approach to our faith and Christianity. It's like, I know what Christianity is. It's this experience of going to mass. It's this experience of graduating from a Catholic high school. And, you know, I didn't find God there, so therefore God's not there. And I love you start reading this stuff, and it's like open your eyes and put on different lenses to see that God is so at work in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so check that out. Hopkins. Great. Uh, Second one.
1: Flannery Flannery O'Connor. Ooh, an American who... Did a master's degree at the University of Iowa? Hey, a little shout out to talk Iowa. Talk about Iowa outcast in the Catholics. famous in the famous writers program at the University of Iowa. She, she did. did her master's here she in did. Iowa City. She did. That's awesome. Yes,
0: um, not in our diocese, but in the state. Yes, um, not diocese, the
1: state. yes. Um, yes. Davenport diocese. Yeah.
0: So uh, people hear about Flannery O'Connor, and I think people secular. Folks or folks who don't aren't Catholic are often very surprised to hear that she was an explicitly Catholic author mm-hmm. um, because she 's not writing about Catholic things. Hopkins kind of writes about God explicitly a few times, not all the time um, so they 'll say what like what are you talking about she's like writing these so kind of the southern Gothic it was the kind of the style this kind of grotesque grotesque version exactly yes. right, no. so you read her stories and they're kind of at first, kind of colloquial, and there are these, you know, kind of like southern folks in different, maybe in the city, maybe in the rural area, and then all of a sudden in the story, something extremely tragic happens. Mm-hmm. Um, a kid's lost in the middle of an inner city, or somebody's murdered, or just like something crazy. A bull rams somebody through with its horns in a field, and nobody's there. There's super tragic things, so people are always kind of like, whoa, how is that how is this Catholic literature? Like, this doesn't give me these, like, pious, like, feel-good thoughts or whatever. Warm fuzzies. But I kind of like that, and I feel like, I feel like those who feel, feel a little outcast from the faith would appreciate it, too. But here's what I love that Flannery O'Connor did, and this is a shout-out to Father Taylor Leffler, who was on here a few, few months ago on our podcast. He wrote his master's thesis on Flannery O'Connor, and the thought would be, like, why would you write your theological master's thesis on this, this literary character from the 60s? She would read the Summa from St. Thomas Aquinas every night. It was on her bedside. But her point of her literature was to kind of shock people out of the status quo that they kind of found themselves in in the world and and civil life and their faith. But it was to highlight moments of grace. Mm -hmm. So you might read her story and you're like, somebody was murdered, this crazy thing happened, everybody hates everybody, what's going on? It highlights moments of God's grace breaking into our life. Now it's hard for people to grasps that sometimes the characters accept those moments of grace and lean into it and let God affect them. Or sometimes they outright reject it, Mm -hmm. but she highlights these moments of grace. And just like Hopkins, it's like putting on a, a new lens to see how God's active in the world. Right. Even through tragedy that there's always these moments that he's constantly giving for continued conversion. And he's, he's availing himself to us in those moments if we lean into it. Um, so she's got a collection of short stories that are, I love because I'm pretty sanguine and it's hard to get through a huge novel. So Mm a couple page short story, I'm, I'm all about that. I can, you know, the really popular squirrel,
1: squirrel, squirrel,
0: absolutely. That's me. Hello. (laughs) Father Travis Crotty, everybody. Um, so yeah, like a good man's hard to find is the one that most people hear about. And that's probably one of the more like shocking ones. But you know, if you just look up any collection or, I mean, like the cool thing is like, if you actually walk into a real public library, mm-hmm. they would have some of these books that she wrote. Oh, sure.
1: The 60s. So she has two novels and a collection of short stories. Right. Um, She's great. You almost, when you, when you finish a, a Flannery O'Connor uh, short story and you get to the last page, you want to turn the page and have something more. You want to have the next chapter because that moment of grace that you speak of mm-hmm. Uh, there is kind of a twist for someone's uh, sanctification, right? Or a twist to redeem this brokenness that she has so graphically yes. and grotesquely depicted, right? In that twist, you know, there is the opportunity for conversion, right there. Yes. And some of the characters might accept it, some might not. Some have to be completely shaken out of their preconceived notions. Of what grace is, or what God is, or how the world should be, mm-hmm. and what a redeemed, you know, heavenly world will be, you're, you're, you're almost left on that cliffhanger mm-hmm. edge, wondering, okay, how does the grace redeem this? Do they accept? Do they do they change? Do right. they convert? Uh, it's beautiful how she arranges all of that, right? A real masterful,
0: the, and that's the genius of the short story and poem and, and poetry, where it's. They're very condensed experiences of literature where you're left with that kind of just like uh, kind of longing for more like, no, 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 just tell me what happens. Tell me what happens. But you don't get that because it penetrates deeper than that into your thought, into your heart, right? Mm -hmm. And then hopefully to offer yourself your your own conversion. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're feeling outcast because you're spending all your time on TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, Mm -hmm. Facebook, Twitter, news sites, maybe Put the phone down
1: and pick
0: up some literature.
1: All right. Highly recommend it. It will connect you to a much broader audience. It'll spark the inter- or the intellect more deeply. It can speak to diff- deeper levels of the soul and certainly connect you to different eras of humanity and the human experience.
0: And a great way to bring people together, too. If you're, you know, you yeah. sit there, you talk about that together as a group of friends. That's when I, excellent.
1: When I lived at the Casa, Uh, a few of us priests we started a poetry club yeah there was a few cocktails involved but (laughs) necessary for the poetry clubs i would have never thought in a million years i would belong to a poetry club right but for about one semester we would sit around and everyone kind of bring a poem a night, and we would just kind of chew on it and sometimes you had to go through them several times but listening to everyone's interpretations just just draw out some really beautiful and profound insights absolutely well thanks for chatting about literature father travis it's great to be with you likewise
0: Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.